I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. At our house, we have a dad alarm. This is a recurring alarm that I set on my cell phone. It goes off one hour before my husband arrives home from work. It reminds my children to clean up any messes around the house and tidy themselves up. It reminds the older children and me to start supper. It also reminds me to make sure my clothes are fresh, to fix my makeup and my hair, and say a prayer for my big sweet hubby. To be honest, we are not as consistent with this as I would like to be. Sometimes the alarm goes off and I ignore it, thinking to myself, too busy. But when we are consistent, the results are not only a blessing to my husband, but a blessing to our whole household. My husband is never too busy to go to work to provide for his family, and this family should never be too busy to provide a warm, clean, welcome home for him. This is from Julie from Pearson Station, Illinois, USA. Her bio says, Doug and Julie are blessed to have Jordan and his wife Leslie, who have one daughter and another child on the way, Levi, 17, Noah, 16, Caleb, 13, Gideon, 11, Glory Hosanna, 10, Charity Joy, 8, Jonah, 6, and Elijah, 3. And this wasn't a TikTok? No, this is a 2006 Above Ruby's uh, letter, reader write in. Amazing. <laughs> it really could be like wow. one of those, like, here's how a gentle parent my husband videos on TikTok. Well, I mean, the whole time you were reading it, I was just imagining one of those like trad wife TikToks, like of her like making bread and like cleaning the house with like some little cute music in the background. Yeah, as I said, gentle parenting for your husband. <laughs> right. Like, this is what I do to get ready when my husband is on his way home. Come get ready with me. Look, I'm doing my makeup. I'm making dinner. I'm greeting him with a kiss. You know what's really funny is, like, my family actually did do this. Like, Oh, yeah. Mine tried, too. Yeah, I think the way we did it was my dad would call when he was leaving the office. And then we knew we had, like, 20 minutes to get shit together. Yep. Like, ladies ladies in our church would be like... You know, if I just don't have time to figure out what we're cooking for dinner, I'll just start by, like, throwing some onions and garlic and butter in a pan and just, like, let that start sautéing when he walks in so he doesn't know that I'm, like, buying time. Oh, my God. It smells so good. Of course I'm cooking. Of course I have a plan. Yeah. Obviously. We're not just having stir-fried vegetables for dinner. So, uh, welcome to season six, y'all. Kitchen Table Cold Pot is back. We are back and talking about trad wives because apparently that's a thing again. Uh, I think where this this conversation really started was I was seeing people on TikTok talking about aspiring to being a stay-at-home girlfriend. And I got really mad. Yeah, so you you sent this to me and I was like, a what now? (laughs) What? Oh, oh, we're really doing I thought we left this I thought I thought we left ladies against feminism.com in the dust in 2006 yeah 
No, the Botkin sisters really should be on TikTok all over again because <laughs> the stay-at-home daughter stuff is now stay-at-home girlfriend stuff. Yeah, and it was it was weird to me when I first started watching and trying to figure out what was going on because, like, so the stay-at-home daughters movement we grew up in was, like, conservative homeschooled girls who were the oldest of many children taking care of their younger mm-hmm. siblings reading the revolution, like... And most of these folks were, like, more... F- they were more conservative than we were. So, like, the, the stay-at-home daughters movement was, like, popularized by adherents of Vision Forum who, like, would do courtship in a much more, like, strict way than we did so we our courtship might have looked to outsiders like dating at some points but like you would never confuse their version of courtship with dating mm-hmm. ever because there was always a chaperone yeah. and there was everything was always very structured and like the stay-at-home daughters thing was like about that umbrella of authority stuff where you shouldn't leave your father's house until you got married because you had to be under someone's headship. So you get this in like a lot of conservative Presbyterian circles, like reformed Presbyterian circles where they teach like covenant theology, headship theology. And like, it just gets really intense really fast. So like when we grew up seeing this, we were like, even in our like friend circles, people were making fun of this as like being like over the top and unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Because it was like, it was you only had like your little home business where you made jewelry. Like you literally, you didn't get to spend any, basically your parents picked out your partner for you. It was way, way, way more conservative. You than could work, you, did. you could work for the family business, but your wages went to your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that was almost always a thing yep. for it. Your wages, whatever you did, your wages went to your dad. You were not encouraged to have a job outside the home. College was not an, a possibility. No. Yeah. How do we get here? How did this happen? I mean, we started watching videos on TikTok. <laughs> I meant the history of how did this become a thing? Oh, but yes, yeah, also that. That too. Yeah, we should. TikTok's always a bad idea for us. Yeah, it's so it's so much of it is like I thought I thought we like figured this problem out in like 2010, and now it's it's coming back again, and nothing new is existing yeah, under the, the sun ever kieran gen z wasn't around for 9-11 so they don't know any of this shit they're just like they're just like inventing the wheel all over again with you know mob wife styling did, did we not tell them like who dropped the ball why did millennial parents drop the ball why did gen x parents drop the ball and forget to like tell their kids like history <laughs> well i think <laughs> we want to speak like very broadly like weren't gen x kids the like ultimate latchkey kids so they like didn't have mom at home they didn't have anyone teaching them how to cook they didn't know like any of the stuff so like having it be like this cute thing you did later in life when you learned all those like homemaking skills was like it was aspirational because their moms didn't do that so they wanted like something different right I mean, it's it's a, your classic like third wave reacting against second wave feminism. Yeah, yeah. Which is as as we were doing research for this episode, we kind of went down a deep dive into like we actually kind of need to explain briefly 
what the waves of feminism are because I feel like that's what's kind of manifesting in these TikToks is reactions to everything all over again. Right. So there's there's a, been a lot of coverage of trad wives. I'm sure you've seen the TikToks go viral of like the Mormon housewife and her like silk lounge where making her children a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from scratch, like making the peanut butter from scratch, making the jelly from scratch, making the bread from scratch. And then there's like that one lady who holds her neck archly in the one possession in every video while she cooks and like takes care of her children and everything's very like balletic. Yeah. Posed. And, uh, and then there's ballerina farms speaking of balletic (laughs) who is, has a $30,000 stove in her kitchen in the background while she's making all these like cutesy homesteading content. Yeah. So like these are going around. These are like being discussed, either hate watched or like in earnest. And like some of it is so like posed that we thought it was parody at first and it wasn't. Which was really disappointing. I was really hoping it was parody, but it would have been a really good parody. Like it's a really, it's already a really good parody, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, these things are being like made fun of by millennials, and like then you've got like get the mob wife aesthetic stuff, and then like the stay at home girlfriend aspirational stuff that Zoomers are putting out, and I'm just like, I know you like spent significant developmental years of your adolescence at home during lockdown and you have anxiety about going out into the world and being a big boy. But like, this this is not the future you want. Right. <laughs> I don't think they realize what what they're setting themselves up for. No, no. And that's that's like the horrifying thing. So kind of like the first big thing that stuck out to me as I was doing research by watching TikToks was like, first, how wealthy so many of these like stay-at-home girlfriends or stay-at-home daughters are, which is in stark contrast to the stay-at-home daughter movement that we were part of slash adjacent to, which was like middle class, like significantly lower. Like I couldn't just go shopping to Chanel randomly and make that part of my day. But you weren't a stay-at-home, you weren't a stay-at-home daughter. I feel like the working class quiverful families didn't have stay-at-home daughters like this because they wanted us to get the fuck out of the home so they didn't have another mouth to feed. Right, yeah. I feel like the the ones who did make the stay-at-home daughters thing work for them were the ones who, like, had, you know, enough money to, like, keep the kids employed in the family business or whatever. Like, I feel like if there was, like, a class difference there, too. Yeah, yeah, but it seemed... I guess it seemed less obvious in 2006 than it does in 2024 watching the TikToks because yeah. it's like, yeah. watch me put on this like really expensive makeup. I'm going to get like Starbucks and go to the mall where I spent like $100 on a pair of shoes or whatever, which is just like right, right, really right. unattainable or like the ballet farms people where it's like her dad owned airplane companies and it's like you have a fully fleshed out 30 thought like stove that's worth the amount of someone's home like Mm. (laughs) there is not (laughs) there is an element of this that 
is really... The above Ruby's daughters and their little tiny houses on their family's property in Tennessee wish they could have that stuff. Right. Like, there is <laughs> there is a huge scale difference of just, like, yeah. you have enough money that, like, you can throw at any problem and your life is significantly easier. So you can make these stylized videos of staying at home and what that's like. And then there's people who, like, are trying to do that but don't have those resources. <laughs> It's giving Marie Antoinette's little farm. <laughs> yes. It really is. Yes. It really is. Like, <sighs> okay, so all of this is just like a fuck capitalism episode. So let's just like actually get into it. So tell, talk to us, like, why don't you walk us all through what you were seeing and talking about? Yeah. As we prep for this episode. Yeah. So coming from the sort of like, growing up in the ideology of I'm going to stay at home under my dad's protection until I get married. Not quite to the same extreme as the stay-at-home daughters who worked in their family's business because my dad didn't have his own business. But like lower middle class, kind Mm -hmm. of like I am at home waiting until I get married because then I can go move on, live my life doing the same sort of quiverful raising my children, et cetera thing. Although I, that was not part of my plan. Cause oh, that. you know what's a – sorry to interrupt. You know what's a big piece of this that I just realized that, like, isn't obvious to outsiders? Mm. It's the whole, like, we're going to have all the babies and God's going to provide for us stuff. Right. Yeah. That was, like – so one thing you, things you would see in, like, uh, missionary propaganda would be how they were, like, you know – we were so broke, we were going to have to like quit the mission and go back home to the States. And like we didn't, you know, have the money to run this thing that we were going to run. And then a check came in the mail out of the blue, totally unexpected. And God provided and came through. Yeah, yeah. That kind of like mindset was also very popular in our lower middle class quiverful families where they would have more children and overextend themselves beyond their means with this like but like we'll pray and God will provide. Mm -hmm. And your family did that a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, and by praying, I mean, uh, they prayed and my mom would talk to my grandparents and suddenly like some food would appear or a bill would be paid or, you know, magic, magic, magically God providing, not, you know, family pitching in. Right. So this prosperity gospel, God is a genie lamp that you rub occasionally kind of thing was like, subtext for these people having these big families that they couldn't afford. And so when they would do the homesteading stuff, it was often a, like a matter of necessity, mm-hmm. not necessarily like they could have lived otherwise. If they had two kids, they would have been fine right. but they, because they didn't. And they chose to put the mom at home and live on one income. Suddenly everybody was super strapped yeah. for cash. The chickens so are like, there for practical reasons, not because they're cute. Right. And they may not, like the math may not add up in the end, like all, all the investment they make into homesteading stuff. But like, yeah, some of the reasons like you and I know the weird skills we do is because, you know, I grew up poor. Right. <laughs> not actually poor, but broke. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So there's this like, prosperity gospel quasi-anti-capitalist mindset behind it that's kind of this interesting phenomenon yeah yeah and then what i'm what i'm seeing on tiktok having that background is like an interesting mix of like well so there's there's an anti-capitalist portion where it's like girls are like 
fuck this, fuck having to, like, get a job and be a slave to the grind and, like, not make ends meet when, like, someone else could be providing for me to live comfortably, be it a boyfriend, a spouse, or my extremely wealthy father. And Mm -hmm. then there's also the sort of, like, true believer side that's like well god says that it's best for parent for like women to grow up to be homemakers and so i need a man who's going to enable me to like fill out my god ordained role and they have like literal elizabeth elliott quotes in their like story right so and this all like kind of tracks on to like we're just seeing a new cycle of like feminist waves reacting against each other kind of stuff. So like first first wave feminism was just like white women want the vote. Second wave feminism was uh, white women want to have it all and having it all means like having the capitalist power and privilege of, of men. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, equality in the workforce, being able to have their own credit cards, owning property, accruing wealth and like, you know, who cares about the kids mm-hmm. um, because I'm going to be just like a man. And the third wave is like where you have the more, you know, women of color speaking out and against those things. Um, you have the, the, you know, ideas of intersectionality becoming more popular. You get the like, you know, speaking back from the global south about the like individualist pro-capitalist bullshit that second wave feminism was espousing. And that's when we also get the, like the trad, the original trad wives. Yeah. Yeah. The original stay at home moms being like, actually having a job and like abandoning my children does not feel like having it all. Right. I want to be fulfilled by having kids because that's what God says will fulfill me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then we get to sort of where we are now, where we have like the fourth wave feminism reacting against the third and second wave feminism. And the fourth wave is more like, let's deconstruct gender roles. Like, why? Why is this a thing? And in that you have the split between being trans inclusive and you have like the TERFs Mm -hmm. and then you have like the anti-feminists that come out of that. Right. So it's, yeah, I mean, it becomes like once you introduce intersectionality, you realize that feminism is too small of an umbrella to address all the actual issues. And the split becomes very like divided along like race and class lines. And honestly, like you get like the TERFs are the the white women who want to uphold their position of relative privilege yep. in society. Yep. Um, and they wanted to be just about the things that would benefit them, not about like actual like equality um, and access to justice for everybody. Right. Yeah. They just they just want to have a piece of the pie. Only them. No one else. Please. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's very, very second wave coded. Yeah. Second wave part two. So I guess what we're seeing here with these TikToks is like. Is a so like if the reaction to second wave feminism that our parents participated in for the original stay at home mother movement, the quiverful parenting movement, we're seeing the we're looking at these TikToks of the stay at home girlfriend stuff 
as like a new version of that. Mm -hmm. The trad wives and the stay-at-home girlfriends being like the reaction to, you know, let's decenter gender roles and like decenter capitalism. And they're like, no, actually, like I want the money. (laughs) I want the comfort. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to think that hard. Right. I want the money. I want the comfort. I want a man to be the one who is providing these things for me. And I don't want to have to deal with, like, the hard reality of late-stage capitalism, which, like, the dealing with the hard reality of late-stage capitalism thing, I think, is an undercurrent in a lot of the younger ones, especially. We all want to check out from looking at the the climate change that is, like, visibly happening all around us all the time right now. Yeah, and, like, no shit coming of age during COVID with the economy in more shambles than it was when you and I came of age and it was already in shambles then. Like, the the existential anxiety, I totally understand. Like, the, yeah. the please get me like, out of this capitalist hellhole. I, I get that. Our generation gave up on owning their own houses and being renters forever and, like, made their peace with that in 2010. And, like, the Gen Z... F- Folks are like can't even leave their okay. parents' house at this point. <laughs> Let me latch on to my my very successful boyfriend right. for money. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. It's it's really interesting to watch this like this self infantilization fantasy. Mm-hmm. On several levels. Like when like the like outsourcing decision making and outsourcing outsourcing your economic independence to someone else just like very like short-sighted but also like if you think the world is about to end like who cares like you can afford to be short-sighted in the same ways that our parents (laughs) treated like global warming because they were pretending like it wasn't real but that christ was returning right yeah there's and and i think that's what's kind of the most jarring to me is like the youngest generation on TikTok has kind of the same, like, it's not the same ideology, but it's the same perspective of, like... It's an apathy. Yeah. Like, the world is ending, so why why bother? Like, I don't want to participate in this. I'm not going yeah, to, why? like, plan for the future, because there is no future. And I can't scientifically argue with that. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's just it's fascinating watching the show up. Was like, sure, I'll be pro capitalist in a, like a super nihilistic way. <laughs> it's just it's just so funny watching watching like the puzzle pieces like reconstruct themselves into a a, a new shape that's like deeply recognizable. Yeah, yeah, like the the sort of traditional housewife idea that we grew up being told was the ideal that we should manifest that we then rejected and a lot of people in our generation rejected circling back now in the younger generation and manifesting itself through these sort of like stay at home tiktoks and instagrams and influencer kind of things but from an entirely different non-religious like vein is sad Honestly, <laughs> and you're talking about like their 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 posture of apathy toward the future. Right. I think there's something to that that like again it mirrors the headship theology, like mindset of a like accepting 
that you do not have decision-making power or like know-how or like you don't have the confidence to manage your finances. You don't have the confidence to make big decisions for your family. You're going to trust your husband to like lead and shepherd you. Um, and he's going to trust his pastor to lead and shepherd him. Or, you know, whichever podcaster he's listening to. <laughs> well, but like back then yeah. before. So outsourcing decision making in order to just like be a, be smooth brain, stay at home mom, because that's that's the godly fulfillment of your role as a woman as the help me and supporter and support role. Um, and then like outsourcing decision making all over again, because making good decisions in this economy with this like late stage capitalist shambles means like really having to face face down existential dread in some serious ways and like nobody wants to do that that doesn't feel fun so like again just like it's another group of people that want to tap out Mm -hmm. yeah and the the scary thing about this is just how like like just the pipeline between that sort of existential dread and like regardless of how religious or fundamentalist or not like you're coming from to like far right extremism like the the crunchy to far right extremist pipeline is a real thing the like beginning of opting out of society of liberal society to like you know i don't trust big pharma i'm gonna be an herbalist i don't trust you know, big medicine. I'm going to have my babies at home. I don't trust GMOs. So I'm going to grow my own food. Like that's the stuff that we saw with the, uh, the, like the Nancy Campbell and her daughters, like the above Ruby stuff, the, like some of the, you know, ATI families that were held up as poster aspirational lifestyles. Like it was all that stuff. All again, remember we've talked many, many times about the, the whisper mill vendors at the homeschool conventions who would just be like selling these like grain mills to make your own flour at home. Yeah. Or the chicken pluckers. Um, Those mm -hmm. are great. Those are great Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Like you go to like the homeschool convention and it's like textbooks, textbooks, Bible study, DIY farm, (laughs) like neo-colonial cosplay and DIY farm stuff. Um, So and this is an old, 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 like, tradition. You get, like, if you, like, look into the history of, like, Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf School stuff, like, it gets more of the same. Um, Robert Behind the Bastards has a really good episode, series of episodes on Rudolf Steiner that you should check out. But, like, that, like, crunchy to alt-right, you know, this is where the anti-vax moms pop up. Yep. Um, and, like, you should have a healthy skepticism capitalism but that doesn't mean this like the the science is incorrect like right and being able to like balance those things is really hard again it's like outsourcing decision making to just like i don't, I don't trust any of it mm-hmm. therefore i lean toward uh entering dynamics relational or societal where I am not the one making decisions, which is how you get to authoritarian, you know, state stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, it happens really quickly. As soon as you decide to give up your agency in sort of a long-term way, you you just get sucked down the rabbit hole really, 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 really quickly. <laughs> Which is ironic because, like, you're, you're outsourcing decision-making because you don't want to outsource your decision-making. You, like, start with, like, I don't trust Big Pharma, so I'm not getting vaccines because <laughs> right. they have mercury in them and it will make my babies autistic. And then you're going to trust the little lady on TikTok who's got her cult following of, like, Drink collodial silver. What is it? Collodial silver? I think so. <laughs> Drink silver so that you will be healthy. It's right. Like, yeah. It's you like, get poisoned. What if? What if we didn't though? I read up on it on this blog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also like we could do a whole other episode on this if we wanted to but the like sort of resistance to like listening to experts that is a huge undercurrent of like the sort of like crunchiness regardless of where on the political spectrum your crunchiness lands that just sort of leads you straight into listening to like people who have no scientific background at all, who knows what of their education, just being like, yeah, drink wheatgrass and that will cure your cancer. And it's like, who are you and why should I believe you? But there has just culturally been a shift since like the late 90s to not listen to experts. And honestly... Well, and, and like, it's it's really interesting watching it happen in white communities where like the historically being skeptical about systems of power for really good reason has been a thing that like people in the global south have had about colonialist power and authority and like you know we have stuff like Tuskegee syphilis study and like the the african-american communities like skepticism of the medical establishment for really, really good reasons. And the people who the system has been like developed to protect and, and like enable like these like upper middle class white ladies are the ones who are now like dipping out of it because they're skeptical of it, but they don't have any like real reason. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't really have much more to say on that. I just think it's like very, a very fascinating dynamic of like we're co-opting the skepticism and making ourselves vulnerable to like predatory like MLMs and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And I, I think like a lot of it kind of makes sense with like how, I don't know, giant global pandemics have been treated and just sort of how, how the entire government has abandoned like Globally, governments have abandoned people to COVID by just like not counting, not taking preventative measures that we know scientifically right. would help. So, like, yes, the we have tangible things to point to. COVID is not over. COVID is still disabling a mass disabling event. Everybody should be masking, and yet, like, the government has abandoned us to fend for ourselves in this, and like the skepticism, like, has like real, like, good cause origins but it's being turned on the wrong things yeah like we have reason to be skeptical of 
authority is just saying what like they're being pressured to say because late stage capitalism. But at the same time, we should listen to the scientists who are not being pressured by capitalist forces or who even are and who are just saying, fuck that, we still need to wear masks because we have actual data. Like, I think a lot of people, and it, it's not hard to do when you're just sort of run into the ground and exhausted and tired and managing a billion different things to be like, I just don't trust anything because all of this has failed me now. Everything I believed in has failed me. And so I think some of that, like we're seeing a reaction into just sort of like, let's just not. And it just, people aren't thinking or people aren't realizing like how quickly that leads to bad things. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, and like being skeptical of all those things and not being skeptical of participating in like, you know, TikTok and Instagram trends that are like, you know, adding to AI databases, mm-hmm. you know, when you want, every time you like participate in the meme of the show yourself at 21, like, right. which is like fine and cute, but like, yeah, it's your, your information is being used to train things and you're skeptical of all of the vaccines, but not the thing that you're, and yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really wild thing to observe in terms of media literacy and like knowing how facts work or don't or how things get presented to you or sold to you or don't and yeah it's just it's it's wild yeah and I think like sort of on like on the ground level it's easy to feel like you trust someone who you can like interact with on TikTok more than like some nameless scientist or faceless scientist or, you know, some expert in the field that you've never met or interacted yeah. with, like, on a personal level that, like, I understand Reading PubMed is not, ac- yeah, reading PubMed is not accessible to everybody. Right. Hanging out on TikTok is. Yeah. But what is concerning is just seeing, like, seeing this trend as a broader reaction to like late stage capitalism and stuff. I understand. Obviously we have failed ourselves and each other when Mm -hmm. we get to the point where like culturally it's better to offload our decision-making onto another human being. Like that is not good for anybody. I just, I just really, really want to make it clear that like offloading your decision-making like, agency to another human being is not fair to you and it's not fair to the person that you're offloading that to either it's really interesting because it like it's it's an expression of like american individualism american exceptionalism in such a really interesting way of like i i can be special i can opt out Mm -hmm. i don't need to like engage with my community and, like, by thinking for yourself, you are, like, becoming more united with your community and have, experiencing solidarity is kind of, it's kind of, yeah. it's just, it's it's a fascinating dynamic. The more you, like, believe that, like, we cannot survive this without each other, mm-hmm. the more you are going to be critical of it, where you're getting your information and, like, really, like, closely paying attention to 
what major stories or ideas are being popularized and why and who's benefiting and where the money's going. And Yeah. Yeah, like um, the Political Research Associates did a really good report on this phenomenon that we're seeing with Gen Z and the trad wife sort of pipeline and the the biggest kind of takeaway that I got from it, which was also the takeaway that we were talking about before, I'm just going to quote from mm-hmm. their article, is that, quote, if we are to reroute the next generation of underage women away from this toxic lifestyle, we need to reflect on the unfinished work in our own politics, fully embracing and acknowledging the fear of collapse and the failure of modern feminism to support those women who want to choose an alternative path. And this is like, it comes back to community. Like, <laughs> we need we need to, like, come together as a collective to support each other and like late stage capitalism is terrifying and fuck capitalism but we also can't just yeet ourselves out of capitalism entirely at this point and be able to survive unless we're really lucky and like have parents unless who bought yeah, us a farm. really really pri- yeah really really privileged <laughs> really really privileged it's this is a thing that like i will frequently find myself like spiraling out in interpersonal relationships about where I'm sitting here like how did you come to this conclusion when we are looking at the same data Mm -hmm. and this is one of the few instances where I don't feel that level of like panicked confusion of like how did you get this conclusion from the same data that like we're, we're seeing the same stuff right yeah like I'm watching this like trend and it's so legible to me. I am like, yes, I understand exactly why you were doing this. We are looking at the same data, but you don't know some of the things I know about like what it takes to extricate yourself from financial financial codependence, from intellectual codependence, from like outsourcing your your judgment making develop personal development right (laughs) like being able to like look at something and say yes this is this is good or no this is not for me or like this is you know a way that i can be more stable like not just like opting out of of all those decisions and that like personal growth experience is something that they're they're not old enough to know why that matters right yeah but everything else, like yeah, it adds up. I would be, I would be thinking the same way as you are if I were facing this this particular moment in time at twenty one. Right, exactly. Well, and it kind of it reminds me a lot too. And I just remembered this now of like how my dad used to say that being a girl was just better because you just got to offload all of that mental like thought. You got to offload trying to figure out how to like make ends meet you get to offload all of the hard decision makings to like another person and I never wanted to offload that autonomy and that agency to another person because that's where that's how you grow and develop as a person is by having to make those decisions and having to figure that out and having to figure that out like with your community (laughs) yeah yeah and and these these babies who are young adults now, like, they don't know that. And I think maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to explain, like, why is this bad? 
Yeah, I just as as people who went through it and got divorced and had to figure it out. <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's like retconning gender roles. Yeah. It, like we went through the whole like, oh, complementarianism sucks for everyone. It puts too much pressure on the men to be like the only person who like makes decisions or, you know, financially responsible for the entire family. Like it's so much pressure. It's very isolating and alienating. And then like for everybody else, it's just like a a trap mm-hmm. that like undermines your personhood and your agency and just like drowns you in a different kind of isolation Mm -hmm. and here we are again with like i'm praying for my future boyfriend to be super productive you know productive and successful in all of his business ventures so i can be a stay-at-home girlfriend and i'm like yes i too had a letter to my future husband journal (laughs) right yeah (laughs) yes i did do that too Uh, this will suck so much in eight years don't go further down the hole yeah yeah it's just like the the dark underbelly of this is it sets you up to be taken advantage of it sets you up for abuse it sets you up to like you know, when you inevitably need to make a decision or escape or like do something, you're going to be so much further behind because you won't have a job history. You won't have a credit history. You won't have money to your name. You won't know how to like do that kind of like grind, which sucks, admittedly. Spoiler alert, like being able to have your own apartment and pay your bills requires you to have a credit history so that you can get checked, checked out. Yeah to be approved for those things like it yeah if you do not exist as an an independent financial individual you're going to be fucked Mm -hmm. when you need to like bounce if things get bad yeah and while like you know you can still make it if you don't have a college education i say as someone who is making it without having a college education it's a lot harder it's a lot harder to do it that way yeah i mean i've got friends who grew up in this world who are like you super talented professionals who cannot apply for many 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 salary jobs because they all require a bachelor's degree as your like baseline yeah and like i'm not seeing these folks on tiktok like opting out of university educations right the same way our world was but like it's it's if you also don't have your a job history it's going to be hard for you to get hired. Yeah. If you don't have experience in like, you know, like being able to like say, yeah, I had a job in food service, like means that you are like able to show up on time and like are able to like deal with like people who make you uncomfortable, who are not behaving well and like be professional about it. And like those basic skills translate for almost any other position on a team. Yeah. And, like, all of these things, like, run into each other. Like, if you just don't have it and you're just, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to depend on my boyfriend. Right. Until your boyfriend becomes nasty. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's weird. It's deconcerting to, like, see this resurface and become popular from an entirely different angle than the one that we grew up in. Well, at the same time, like, I totally empathize with like why this is a choice that 
people are looking to make and like why this seems like an ideal situation because yeah like it's it's hard late stage capitalism sucks Mm -hmm. but i think the answer to that is the not easy answer as always and that's like you you build community (laughs) like you you show up in your community and you help each other (laughs) and again that's that's another way i feel really like I, I feel very sympathetic toward the this movement, this moment, these people, because if they had all of high school on Zoom because of the pandemic, like it's hard to learn how to make friends f- as an adult from scratch. Yep. Um, we know nothing about that. Oh. <laughs> like everybody has trouble like making friends in their thirties outside of like you know, meeting people in organized groups and like grad school or like book clubs or whatever. Like it's it's hard. It is a thing that like universally is difficult. But it's even more difficult when you like haven't had that like formative high school experience of just like being in that container and shaken up together for four years. I imagine. I mean, all my friends were online. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I understand the the oh my entire high school was online problem of Zoomers more than I understand the oh no I went to high school with my peers because I I don't, I don't yes so know. sorry high school sucked and you got drunk at your friend's house what must that yeah, have been like? I, I, I don't know anything about <laughs> please tell me about what this horrible party was like because I literally I don't was know just stalking my friends on Zanga yeah it's fine I was reading blogs but like. You can still build online communities and, like, show up in, like, your mutual aid circles and just, like, not isolate yourself, which I'm telling myself, too, because... Show up to the protests. Go to the book clubs. Yeah. Go to the author events and the art openings and... Yeah, like, it's... Music nights. (laughs) It's hard, but it's possible, and, like... It's more fun to have community than it is to, like, offload all your decision-making onto one person and then be, like, inevitably disappointed or mad or hurt by them when they fail because they are one person and you spit all of your everything onto them. And they also have their whole everything but can't be vulnerable with you because they have to be the everything for you. It's not a healthy relationship dynamic. No, it's not. And and I think the last thing I'll say on all of this is just, like, there's a lot of anxiety that goes into trying to put yourself out there and make these new friendships and trying to like n- figure out how to make good decisions for yourself. Like it's hard. It's really, really hard. But the only way you're going to get past that anxiety is by building a relationship with yourself where you trust yourself to be able to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And you only are able to have that like sense of confidence in your own ability to make good decisions by making mistakes. Yep. By getting out there and fucking up and, like, fixing it and not giving up and doing it again yeah. and doing it again and doing it again. Once you do that, by you'll be able to develop a confidence because you've kept your, pro- your, your word to yourself. Exactly. You've, like, showed up for yourself over and over again, even if it's complicated, even if it's hard, even if it's anxiety-inducing, like... And the world didn't end. Th- and the world didn't end and you, like, you learned something and you kept going. Yeah. 
So, and also, like, don't, you don't have to make peanut butter from scratch. Just buy peanut butter from the store. I mean, if that happens to be your ADHD, like, special interest of the week, that's fine. But, like... You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't need to suffer. <laughs> Does it... You are not a lesser person because you buy peanut butter. I promise. Your value is not in your... In the aesthetics of your TikTok? Yes. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Your value <laughs> is not in the aesthetics of your TikTok. It is okay to be messy. It is okay to be anxious about the state of the world because who the fuck isn't? If they aren't, they should share their drugs. But you are good. <laughs> so uh, a couple housekeeping notes. Like we here we've got season six in the well in the works. We've got some really fun episodes planned for you. We are starting to do a weekly link roundup newsletter that we're sharing on Patreon. So if you're there, you can get our like Sunday evenings what we've been reading this week newsletter. Um and please shoot us an email if you have, you know, specific topics or or conversations you want us to cover for future episodes of season six. Also, while we're talking about TikTok, you should follow our TikTok. We are Kitchen Table Cult Pod on TikTok, and I have a bunch of funny little Jeopardy style videos in the works that I had spent a lot of hours making a template for. So please because go appreciate it. <laughs> We keep getting told that we need a lexicon of all of our key terms and characters, so so Kieran's got you covered. We're doing it. We're doing it on TikTok. Go give us a follow there. Um, like or rate or whatever it is that you do with podcasts. And thank you so much for listening and joining us for season six. We're very, very excited. All right. Go. Be gay. Do crime. Bye. Cheers. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cold podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.